So Taylor, I know you're out, but we've got to shout out the guys that are still in. And I'm talking, of course, about the official It's Always Sunny in Cheesecake Belt Listener League. Now, you unfortunately did not make the playoffs, but I am in, and I am in round two, baby. Me, we've got Jordan Scarron, we've got Reverse Giraffe, and we've got Zach the Layman's Terms. All big kakas! Kakas! guys. But I got to tell you, I have mixed feelings about playing the self-proclaimed king of the Birds of War in the semifinals because as I, as I tweeted earlier today, it's kind of like when Dr. Frankenstein realizes that like, he's, he's got to destroy this thing that he's created. You know, uh, Jordan's been very good to our podcast and we've given him a lot of exposure. We've given him a platform and now here he's trying to, to eliminate me from the fantasy playoffs. He's trying to destroy me, the creator of the birds of war. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Well, I know how you felt a couple days ago which was that your awesome team was definitely, definitely, definitely going to lose your first round playoff game. And then fortunately for you, Tom Brady didn't score any points. We'll talk about that a little bit on in the show. Oh, it was Taysom but, uh, Hill. It was Taysom Hill that I was facing. Tom Brady didn't score any points either, though. Which oh, was- that's right. It was it was Bucks Saints, but I was thinking that you were facing some Bucks, but you were facing some Saints. You were facing Taysom Hill and Kamara. Yes, and I was facing they another one of our for 14 award, points. Mike 57X. Kaka! Kaka! who unfortunately was sharing a ton of players with my dynasty team, which, okay, we got to give you some props there. You you absolutely destroyed my dynasty team. I was missing Daryl Henderson. I was missing, or I had Daryl Henderson, but he didn't play very well. I had Stephon Diggs, who was fine. I was missing DeAndre Swift. So Mike was missing DeAndre Swift. He had Taysom Hill, who did not perform. I had Taysom Hill, who did not perform. It was a bad situation for him. And this has been an extremely weird fantasy playoffs. Yes. You are in the final four of our Dynasty League. I am in the final four of our Listener League, and we just have to hope that our guys don't get COVID. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Jesus Kingdom. I'm Austin on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. Here with me as always is my co-host Taylor at Taylor underscore Wit. Taylor, it is December 22nd. Are you in the Christmas spirit? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling it. I think it's, uh, I don't usually, I'm not like an early December Christmas guy, but I'm definitely a late December Christmas guy and we're three days away. Sure. So three days away, you're you're starting to get into the Christmas spirit. That's good. We're brought to you, as always, by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, which you can find at si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs and on Twitter at Arrowhead Report. And our friends, the Pigskin Podcast Network at Pigskin Podnet. You can get your official Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom merch through our friends at DadBodT, DadBodT.com, or on Twitter at DadBodT. So, Taylor, three mm-hmm. days to Christmas. We've got uh, five days until the Chiefs play their next game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Excuse me, four days. Four days. Yeah. Until the Chiefs play their next game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Although, who knows? Yeah, it might, might be six. Who knows? It might be seven. It might be never. We've got our news, news, news. We've got a little what is happening. And because we recapped both games and great title on the pod, by the way. The gang yep. recaps both games. <laughs> that was that was very good. Uh, we've got a little preview of Chiefs versus Steelers, and we're going to hit some mailbag questions. So, 
without further ado, the You wrote this down in the, in the document. I I think I want you to read this because I I I'm Jesus. I'm reading it and it it's it's extremely gross. It's depressing. So, All right, I got to take a big breath here because this <sighs> is a long list. Current Chiefs on the COVID list as of December 22nd, around 9.30 Arrowhead time, is Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Traveris Ward, Rashad Fenton, Nick Bolton, Harrison Bucker, Lucas Niang, Kyle Long, Blake Bell, Armani Watts, and practice squad members Garrick Dieter, Doris Fountain, and Darius Harris. That reminds me of my death list that I just named yeah. people over and Oof. over and over again for two minutes. I mean, this is... This is as dire as it gets. Yeah. So between the last time that we recorded the podcast uh, on Friday after mm -hmm. the Chiefs beat the Chargers, it doesn't feel like that was even that long ago. And it, it was not that long ago. It was it was five days ago uh, that we recorded that, that podcast. Since then, the entire league has gotten COVID. Uh, it literally it we had sort of this mass breakout, which of course is associated, we think mostly with the Omicron variant, which fortunately is not very dangerous. It, it, the latest study, which I read today out of South Africa says that it's 80% less likely than the Delta variant to require hospitalization. So, you know, most of these guys on the chiefs that have tested positive, it sounds like nobody is seriously ill. A lot of guys are, you know, completely asymptomatic and a few players are showing, you know, sort of mild cold like symptoms. The NFL obviously modified testing this week as well. They sort of pushed a change through with the union, which is going to switch to more targeted testing. And I got to tell you, obviously, the news is changing rapidly. But what it sounds like to me, my understanding of the rule is they're going to test like once a week, like on a Monday. And then past that, if guys are showing symptoms, they will be tested. They could be ruled out. They could be added to the list. But other than that, they're going to kind of just let them play through. They obviously reduced the number of, of negative tests you need to get back into a game down to one. So if you test negative once, you can pop off the COVID list and get into a game. I mean, it, it seems like the NFL's plan here is to just accept the fact that most of the league is going to get Omicron and just kind of play through it. Yeah, I think their um, previous strategy was totally fine if they – if the whole league wasn't threatening to go under like, like it is now. So they kind of figured, okay, we'll do this strict testing. We'll look good in the eyes of people that, you know, want us to take this deadly disease seriously. But at the same time, our games will go on. And then this week it was like, oh shit, our games might not go on. So we probably need to make some adjustments here. And they made some adjustments. And now, you know, I don't think this was ever really much of a, of a health issue. I mean, as right. far as, you know, this was not the players are not worried that that COVID is threatening their careers or even really worried about getting it. They're just worried about playing the game. And so if the NFL wants the best product out there, if they don't want Sunday to be, you know, Duck Hodges versus Chad Henney or something like that, like they need to. I, in fact, is Devin Hodges, is he still a Pittsburgh? Didn't he move? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe I, it's, I don't, oh, it'd be Mason Rudolph. It'd be Mason Rudolph. Yeah, sure. But. Uh, but yeah, you know, they, they mean, need their be, product out on the field. The Browns just started Nick Mullins uh, in the game two days ago, and he yeah. was their third-string quarterback. So um, Washington started third-stringer Garrett yeah, Gilbert. 
Uh, that's correct, Garrett Gilbert. Um, I do think their third stringer technically would be Dwayne Haskins. I'm not sure what Doug Hodges is currently up to. Uh, he actually giant. is playing for the Ottawa Red Blacks of the Canadian Oh, wow. So, uh, Duck went up to uh, Canada. That's uh, that's appropriate. Um, he flew north. <laughs> he, flew, he flew north for the winter. So looking at the Chiefs that came back to practice today, we have Josh Gordon activated off the COVID list. We have Willie Gay, Legeria Sneed, who was not – ever on the COVID list, knock he's on wood, fingers crossed, but he's back at practice after obviously missed two games with that horrible, awful family tragedy, losing his brother to a stabbing, a fatal stabbing um, back in uh, Louisiana, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Joshua Kando, who has been hurt for, it feels like almost the entire season, but he is yep. back at practice and could be, could be returning shortly. The yeah, Steelers put Kando on the IR with an ankle injury back in October. And they are now, now that he's practicing, they haven't officially activated him yet, but because he's back at practice, the thought is that sometime in the next three weeks, he'll probably be ready to go. And obviously the chiefs have at this point in time, or at least before COVID hit the entire league, like a ton of bricks, you know, Kando is not a guy that had an obvious role on this team because they have Melvin Ingram. They have Frank Clark playing at a high level, you know, even the rotational guys like Deshaun Warden, like Mike Dana yeah. um, have been, and even Alex Okafor have been playing at a pretty good level. Um, but, you know, now obviously with COVID ravaging the league, you know, it's kind of an all hands on deck situation and it's good to get Kando back and he is a rookie. So, you know, it, it certainly does not hurt, his development to be back on the practice field and hopefully get some snaps, get into a little rotational situation with the pass rushers. Yeah. Kando's a guy that, you know, had, was very raw, um, but had a lot of physical talent and is someone that maybe having not played the game, maybe having spent the last couple months in the film room and rehabbing and thinking about the game and watching the reps that the other guys are taking, you know, maybe that did a lot for his, uh, the mental side of it. And maybe he's ready to roll now. Speaking of guys that are not ready to roll. Ooh, the Steelers have a little bit of COVID trouble of their own linebacker, Devin Bush, offensive tackle, Zach Banner and linebacker, Marcus Allen, not the running back who's been retired for like 25 years on the reserve COVID-19 list on Wednesday. And what we're sort of learning from experience from this, you know, COVID, the, the latest wave of COVID through Omicron, you know, if you're getting placed on the list on Wednesday, it is technically possible for you to test out and come back by Sunday. As a practical matter, it doesn't seem like guys are coming back quite that fast. We had obviously the, Brown's game, you know, they went into sort of the protocols on Monday after they played, you know, last week's worth of games on Sunday. They were supposed to be the Raiders on Saturday, and they had a wave of COVID hits at the beginning of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to the point where the NFL said, we don't feel like we can safely play this game. And in fact, actually, it was the players that were pushing to, I don't know if you saw this, but the uh, JC Treader said today that the NFL wanted to just cancel the games. Yeah. And then if that happened, the players wouldn't get paid. So yep. the players wanted to play the players kind of pushed the NFL into just pushing it back to a Tuesday, but the Browns still ended up starting Nick Mullins, a quarterback, right? Like they did almost beat the Raiders with their third stringers across the board, but they had to start their third string quarterback. You know, here we are on a Wednesday. It's not clear that these guys that are getting placed on the list today are going to play. It kind of feels like they are a long shot. And, you know, these are not major players. Certainly if you look at the, Steelers COVID list compared to the Chiefs COVID list. Oof. I mean, yeah, it's not even close. But no, yeah. you know, these these are these are useful players. I, we're not going to be the only ones affected by it, and hopefully, some of these Chiefs will be able to come back. 
Yeah, you know, especially Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, which were two of the early names on the list. You know, I don't have a lot of hope for the guys that popped basically yesterday or today, which is everyone but Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. I mean, Ward, Fenton, Hill, Bolton, Butker, all the – well, we know Butker. He's unvaccinated, so he will be a 10-day quarantine mandatory, and that's going to put him at least out for this game. Um, And, I mean, you know – Oh, and Mike Remmers, who isn't technically on the COVID list because he is still on IR, he also tested positive. Um, so, I mean, they've just been it, – it, the depth along, you know, obviously with Lucas Niang, um, fortunately Andrew Wiley had had a lot of experience stepping in there, so there's not really a lot of – the offensive line, that's the one that, you know, as long as Mahomes and the offensive line are right healthy and out there, I feel like – you know, if he's throwing the ball to Pringle and Josh Gordon and and Noah Gray and all those guys, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still going to be Patrick Mahomes and a healthy offensive line. And I do still feel fine about that. But boy, these defensive players, both starting, uh, well, I guess Sneed now is slotting back in as starting cornerback. But I mean, Warden Fenton, both being out is massive. And, you know, not having a kicker. I mean, they signed the Elliot, um, Fry. Elliot Fry and... I just feel like if this game comes down to a big kick, everyone's going to have their freaking hearts in their throats. It's going to be bad. We'll talk about this more in the game preview, but obviously it is a, it's a fluid situation. You know, we could wake up on Sunday morning and all these guys could be clear to play. It's possible. It's not likely, but it's, it's possible at this point that that could happen. We just don't know. And I guess the silver lining here is that these guys testing positive for COVID, even if they missed the game this week, does mean they're probably pretty unlikely to get COVID again before the end of the year. That includes the playoffs and the Super Bowl, which obviously yeah. is the Chiefs' primary goal here. I actually have read, unless the NFL makes any changes to testing protocol, that the guys that tested positive do not have to test at all for 90 days. That would obviously take us through the end of the regular season. It would take us through the end of the playoffs, through the Super Bowl. So, if indeed these guys are now, you know, considered by the NFL to be naturally immunized and don't need to test again, they're not going to miss any more games. This could be the week that they miss. They could be back next week and they could be back the rest of the year. And we certainly hope that that's the case. If not, even a little bit better news, when we get some of them back this Wednesday or this Sunday. Excuse me. That sure would be good. Taylor. What is happening? Everyone has COVID. And by that, I mean, since the start of week 15, 200, more than 200 NFL players have tested positive. And that's about roughly 10% of the league. There's, and at the end of the day, every team is being affected by this, some more than others, but certainly um, we saw the postponements. We saw 15 players on the bears, nine players on the Ravens. 21 and the head coach on Cleveland, like you were just talking about, 14 players on Houston, 11 players on the Chiefs. Well, now that number, I think, is up to 16. Yes. Uh, 25 Rams. And I mean, they Ridiculous. it's just been d- devastating everybody. So this is not something that, you know, Chiefs podcasts aren't going to be the only ones talking about COVID all week this week. This is something that the entire league is dealing with. Some, unfortunately, are in playoff hunts and seeding positionings like the Chiefs, and that's where it's really unfortunate. You know, I don't have a ton of sympathy, I guess, for like the Giants and Bears and and people like that that, yeah, okay, you guys have COVID, but you guys weren't playing for anything anyway. But 
um, there are definitely some some big impact that's going to happen by all these players not being able to play. Yeah, and I guess, you know, when we talk about what is happening, obviously the big news is the COVID situation. We've kind of covered the changes in the protocol and how that might affect the Chiefs. But I think the big what is happening that we have to talk here is the the seating situation. Because obviously, since we recorded on Friday, when the Chiefs had just come off their big win over the Chargers and were in sole possession of the one seed, the Chiefs got some help on Sunday. Huge with both the, well, on first on Saturday, with the Patriots falling to the Indianapolis Colts in a pretty tight game that the Colts ended up pulling away at the end. And then on Sunday, with the Titans losing to the Steelers, that the Chiefs mm. are going to play this week in a bonkers, terrible game. That honestly, I've watched my fair share of Steelers games this year. I have Najee Harris on my dynasty team. You have Chase Claypool. You know, we, we've we've had some yeah, reason to familiar. watch Steelers games. Um. I guess we can start with the Steelers game. I mean, we're going to talk about them in the game preview, obviously. Yeah. Like this was a game that the Steelers had no business at all winning. <laughs> and the Titans just gave the game away to them. The Titans stunk. And, you know, not all of this is missing Derrick Henry because Deontay Foreman ran very well in his stead. And I saw a good tweet by Ben Baldwin that showed the run blocking win rates and then the rush um, I think it was probably EPA per rush for, so it, he was showing that Derrick Henry and Deontay Foreman have rushed for the exact same EPA per rush. And wow. so it's not necessarily that their big workhorse is out. It's really that Ryan Tannehill has been playing poorly and some of that maybe is missing AJ Brown for a little bit, but I mean, they had, they went in this game, the Tennessee offensive possessions, punt, touchdown, field goal, but then fumble, field goal, punt, punt, fumble, interception, fumble, turnover on downs so Not they good. were they were brutal and they were brutal against a tennessee team that you can run on tennessee has a one of the worst uh run defenses in the league and they just continued to shoot themselves in the foot they held a lead up until the fourth quarter they were up 13 10 and then pittsburgh kept getting the ball back off a turnover and kicking a field goal and then getting the turnover and kicking a field goal and and tennessee just couldn't do anything against it and it got down to the end where they had the ball um on fourth down and couldn't you know, uh, they thought they were just made the fourth down and then they oh, had the official call. measurement and it was a six yard play on fourth and seven and they turned it over. And it was it was a uh, a horrible game to watch, really, but it, it turned was. out well because Chiefs needed a Steelers win and they got one. It was excruciating. And our Steelers. the Titans are Steelers, uh, except no longer because now we have to play them this week. <laughs> the Titans turn around and play the 49ers tomorrow. Yeah. which is crazy because yeah. it feels like we've had a bunch of football games in a row and maybe we should have a little bit of a break before football, but we don't. <laughs> we There's going to be a Thursday night football game tomorrow. I haven't seen that either of those teams have been hit with COVID, which is interesting and fortunate and good for them. But, I mean, this 49ers team is uh, is looking really good lately. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing at a high level, and I did see that it's possible the uh, the Titans will get A.J. Brown back this week. This is the first week he's eligible to come off of IR. So he did do a walkthrough today. He could be activated before the game tomorrow, and he could play tomorrow. But I am seeing A.J. Brown on the COVID list. Oh, really? Yeah. A.J. Brown has COVID? Oh, my yeah. God. Well, I guess yeah. A.J. Brown's not going to play tomorrow. <laughs> he just came back from IR, and I guess now he has COVID. I, I, listen, I don't think the Titans can beat the 49ers, and – you know, really, the Chiefs, in order for them to finish with the one seed, they do have to finish with a better record than the Patriots 
or the Titans, because the Titans obviously have the tiebreaker having beaten yes. the Chiefs head-to-head. And the Patriots have the tiebreaker because they have a much better AFC conference record than the Chiefs, which is the first tiebreaker when you don't have a head-to-head game. The Chiefs cannot catch them, I don't believe. Um, Patriots 7-2, and two, Chiefs 5-4, and four, so they've both played nine games. The Chiefs actually could catch them, but they would have to win all three games remaining anyway to catch right. them, and that, and that is right. obviously going to lock up the one seed anyway. So. Correct. Yeah, so they uh, the Patriots have definitely the tiebreaker there. If the Chiefs were to drop one more game, they would then lose the conference race. If the Patriots them. went out, if the but Patriots, the Patriots have out. a tough game this week as well against the Bills, a desperate still, Bills team, and they still have to play the Dolphins, who now having won seven straight and yeah. now put themselves back at the periphery of the six playoff straight. Hunt. They went from one and seven to seven and seven, which That's is right. just That's insane. Right. Six six straight wins from one and seven, which you never see. They've put themselves on the periphery of playoff contention as well, and the Patriots do tend to struggle with the Dolphins in December, as we as Chiefs fans all know. <laughs> to our benefit, that's right. A little bit, of a, call, a little bit of a callback there, which is uh, which is just fantastic. But Both listen, eighteen and nineteen. Eighteen uh, was the crazy long miracle in Miami where uh, uh-huh. Gronk was on defense, and then of course Colin during the game that 19. the uh, during the game that the Chiefs. Um, were Ravens. playing the Ravens, yeah, yeah, in overtime, and came yeah. back to win with obviously the fourth and nine, and yes, so the Patriots lost to the Colts on Saturday and dropped another game, and so the Chiefs now, you know, after beating the Chargers and having sole possession of the one seed in the AFC, then got some help to give themselves a full game cushion. They do have to finish a game ahead of both of those teams, but it feels like even if we drop this game to the Steelers, and we'll get into the game preview in a moment. It's still possible to get the one seed. A loss here would not doom the Chiefs, but a win certainly would be wonderful. Yeah, basically, um, unfortunately, with the way that the schedules break out after this week, the remaining games, yeah, Miami is pretty feisty, especially against the Patriots, but they also have Jacksonville, and then the Titans play Miami as well and have Houston. So, like, if the Chiefs are going to lose one of their three remaining games to Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, or Denver – they really would need the Patriots and Titans to lose their games this week to maintain that one. Otherwise, they're going to have to hope that Miami, Jacksonville, or Houston pull off an upset. So, right. yeah, it's it's a little tricky. Um, I do think that those those games this week for the Patriots and Titans are very losable for sure. What did you think of the Patriots going down 20 to nothing at halftime against uh, the Colts? And they did eventually claw back and and have the ball. And then Jonathan Taylor ripped off a 67 yard game ceiling touchdown run. But I felt like they have kind of lost that magic that like the Patriots for a while were very scary to me. And I feel like that game against the bills where they only passed three times. And then this game against the Colts, it just doesn't really, they're, they're not doing it for me. They're not doing it for me either. I will. Obviously when we get into the playoffs, we'll be breaking down all the possible playoff matchups We'll be talking about our our possible playoff opponents, but what I took away from watching that Colts Patriots game is that both of those teams have JV quarterbacks. Man, no you're kidding. not going to beat the Chiefs in 2021 with a JV quarterback. You're just not going to do it. I Wentz think, was five of twelve for 57 yards, a touchdown. Uh, a pick. He was terrible. That's absurd. And he threw one of those picks when they were trying to seal. The, I mean, he threw triple coverage when they were trying to seal the game. I mean, like they had the lead and all they yeah. needed to do was protect the lead. And he is out here turning over the ball. He went it up hard. He went it up hard. And the Patriots couldn't take advantage of it because Mac Jones threw two picks in this game mm-hmm. that both were pretty ugly. And I mean, yep. those I think were both in the first half that kind of led to that big deficit. But, you know, I mean, 
when he had to come back, I mean, neither of these teams are built to, to come back from a deficit, right? Like they're built about That's right. around beating you up and punishing you in the running game. They're built to play from ahead. And the Chiefs historically, you know, in the Patrick Mahomes era have beaten those teams consistently. Like the Ravens are a team that's built that way. And yeah. before the fluke loss with Clyde fumbling the ball this year, the Chiefs had not lost to the Lamar Jackson Ravens, right? Like you, you can't squat on a lead against this team because this offense, or at least has the potential to be too explosive. And if the Chiefs get out to a lead, forget about it. You're buried. You can't come back from it yeah. because this offense, once it puts you in a 14 nothing hole, what are you going to do? Keep running the ball? <laughs> okay. Good luck with that. You're just cutting down the amount of time you have to win the game and come back. And that just is not a recipe for success against the Chiefs. So watching this game, I felt pretty confident that the Chiefs would handle both of these teams. To be honest with you, I do think the scariest team in the AFC besides the chiefs is the chargers. Now. I agree. And that's just because of Justin Herbert and how Justin Herbert is playing. Yeah. And the chargers have matched up well and played the chiefs well in both times uh, that they've played them this year. And you're right. When the quarterback has the high ceiling, kind of everything else gets lost in the wash. I mean, at the end of the day, superstar quarterbacks are what you need to beat superstar quarterbacks. And when the chiefs have a superstar quarterback, you know, you're really looking at, um, and Aaron Rodgers on the other side or or someone like Justin Herbert uh, to be the team that's going to be the biggest threat to you. And um, everyone else just kind of like if Carson Wentz wants to line up with that Colts running game and defense behind him, like that's fine. I, I have no problem with that at all. I have no problem facing Mac Jones. I have no problem facing, boy, these days, I mean, most AFC quarterbacks who I thought at one point the AFC was stacked. There were more there were more franchise quarterbacks in the AFC than you could shake a stick at. And now it just feels like they all kind of lost their their mojo, their way. Obviously, Lamar has really, really struggled lately and is and is he might not play this week. He might not play this week. He didn't play last week. Hell, Tyler Huntley looks like a better quarterback than Lamar has at times. I mean, it was crazy. It's just very, you know, Baker, obviously people looked for him to take a step forward this year and he's taken two steps backwards. He is not very good at all. Um, Even guys like Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and the young guys that you thought maybe, you know, could be special enough to, you know, Burrow's been fine. He's had a he's had a fine year, but he's certainly no one would take him over Mahomes. So yeah, I think that um the Chargers would be my pick there as well. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, and bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk about this Chiefs-Steelers game. Um, It's kind of hard to preview this game, Taylor. I'm going to be honest with you because we don't know who's going to play in this game. 
Um, but we can talk about what the game means for the standings, recent history between the two teams, and we can kind of speculate. I mean, listen, I'll give you my prediction. I'll give you my preview right now, Taylor, before we get into our, our news and our notes here. Uh, if all of the Chiefs players that are currently on the COVID list play, lock it up. The Chiefs will destroy the Steelers. It That's will right. not be close. Nope. They will completely shut down the Chiefs or the Steelers' offense, and they will probably score 30 to 35 points on offense, and they will dominate this game, and it'll be like 35 to 13. Now, mm-hmm. All the guys on the COVID list for the Chiefs are not going to play. Probably most, if not all of them, will not play in this game. And so, you know, we have to talk about the units that are healthy and that are probably going to play and how they kind of match up. And we can talk about uh, the standings and everything like that. But before we do that, I mean, let's just talk about what the Chiefs do have. We kind of teased it already. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have the offensive line. God bless them. Those offensive linemen did not let COVID get into their midst. We've seen that a couple of times in the past year and a half over the past two seasons where that has affected a game. The Raiders famously had their entire offensive line room (laughs) infected with COVID right before they played. Of course, of course, Tom Brady (laughs) and the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And of course they got demolished in that game. Who by the way is a complete bitch boy. He is Tom Brady. Yeah. Throwing his tablet, yelling at the Saints refs after the Saints were kicking his ass again ridiculous. because this the Saints have ridiculous. his number. And I guess they're the only ones who know how to completely shut down that Tampa offense. But how is it that staring at the other sideline, pointing at opposing players, all that gets fined and flagged and all that stuff. And Tom Brady throws a fucking sweet 16 meltdown and gets nothing. <laughs> Well, it's because it's Tom Brady, and I will tell you the reputation that he's cultivated for himself, which is, you know, hyper-competitive goat athlete. Uh, People celebrate him for that type of behavior, which, I don't know, says something about our culture. It says something about the cult of Tom Brady. I don't know. It was uh, was very unbecoming, I will just say, for, uh, you know, a guy that has accomplished as much as he has. He is a very unpleasant person and uh, not super fun to be around. So what the Chiefs do have in this game is they have Patrick Mahomes and they have a pretty healthy and not sick offensive line. And they have Josh Gordon and <laughs> they've got the running backs. Byron Pringle, baby. The running backs ready. Byron Pringle, Josh Gordon, Noah Gray. Nicole Hardman. <laughs> Nicole Hardman, who has not caught COVID yet. And on the D-Rob. defensive side. Demarcus Robinson. And on the defensive side, it really is pretty up in the air. We we don't really know who is going to be able to play. So, you know, I think this game will say a lot about the offense because yeah. I mean, I do think this game has the opportunity for the Chiefs to go out and for one thing for Patrick, since the offensive line is clearly the strength of your team in this game. You know, I think it's an opportunity for him, especially against a good Steelers pass rush, to get out there and really focus on his protections and focus on his footwork and his pocket movement mm-hmm. and really focus on playing within the structure and work on kind of hitting those precise timing routes and those, you know, really precise, you know, hit your drop. As soon as you hit your drop, the ball's coming out to somebody. I think that will be an opportunity for him. I think it's also an opportunity for the Chiefs to kind of see you know, what the wide receivers and tight ends that aren't Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, who have more yards than everyone else on the Chiefs combined by a lot, 
see what they have going into December and then into January and February. Yeah, it's a depth challenge. It absolutely is. Um, the only active tight end on the roster since Blake Bell also has COVID is Noah Gray. And I mean, they're they're certainly thin and they'll have I I suppose they'll have some practice squad call ups, although guys like Fountain and Dieter are also on the COVID list. So, like, I don't know if they're going to have like an invincible tryout situation going on or whatever, but like there are going to be some player positions that are going to be as thin as the Chiefs have ever practiced or played a game with, um, certainly under Andy Reid. So we should give Marky Mark a call. We should give Marky we- Mark a call and do some sprints. Sprints. <laughs> So let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Again, this is totally up in the air. It really kind of depends on who the Chiefs have. They have Tyron Matthew. We hope that they will be able to get Chris Jones since he already obviously missed a game. He's now been, it's now been more than a week since he tested positive. And so we're hopeful he'll be able to work his way back. He was vaccinated. So good for Chris. Hopefully he'll be able to get back. But, you know, I mean, it is a situation where at least they're going against, I mean, they played a pretty gutty game with, three key guys missing against a much better offensive team a week ago. Yeah. Six days ago. On short rest. On short rest. On the road. With Willie and um, Chris being late scratches. So, like, it was one of those deals that – Guys who were in the game plan on Monday. Exactly. And guys who were big focal points. And now with Willie Gay potentially back in, obviously Nick Bolton being on the um, COVID list is a a big loss for the linebackers. That's not something I was really – prepared for um you know to the start of the year but he's been great he's the only player in the nfl with over 100 tackles and over 10 tackles for loss of any player so he's uh nick bolton's had a hell of a year and that's going to be we're going to miss him for sure but to have willie gay there to have legerius sneed um you know you mentioned tyron matthew and juan thornhill and mike hughes and i mean they do they do still have and obviously Frank Clark, who's been playing great, and Melvin Ingram and all those guys. So, And this is going to be Melvin Ingram's second straight revenge game. Yes. Um, earlier this week, Mike Tomlin, they asked him about the trade and and why you know would you trade Melvin Ingram to an AFC rival and blah, blah, blah. And he said, to be honest and blunt, Melvin Ingram no longer wanted to be here. And right. I, I thought that was kind of interesting that he was that uninterested in being a Steeler. I don't know what that says about what they're – locker room situation was like or what Melvin Ingram was looking for out of his team, but he has clearly thrived in Kansas city, whatever it was that he wasn't that he was looking for in Pittsburgh that he didn't find. He found that in Kansas city. And that's going to be, you know, a big chance for him to, to show them that he made the right call, forcing his way out of there. Um, Yeah. Mike Tomlin loves to use, he loves to use this phrase. We want, you know, volunteers, volunteers not, hostages. not hostages. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, game. which he, which he has used a number of times over the years, yeah. and he, Antonio Brown, he broke. And, yeah. yeah, he broke that Lady one out on. again this uh, this week um, with Melvin Ingram. Did you happen to see the Steelers beat writer who just got absolutely ratioed into oblivion on <laughs> no, Twitter? Did you see no, this? No, no, no. So a Steelers beat writer came out and did a little uh, pollen for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, I believe it was, um, about this game, previewing this game. Just one of their their longtime beat guys who I think is probably a crusty and old and writes for a newspaper. So not um, Brooke Yeah, uh, It was not Brooke Pryor. It was not Brooke Pryor. Uh, he... He had a line that said Melvin Ingram is doing for the Chiefs about what he was doing for the Steelers, which is not very much. And he he wrote this article and it literally was like it said, like, here's the number of snaps he's had and here's the pressures and the sack numbers. And they're pretty, pretty much the same box score watching. And boy, he got I mean, 
there have this been like Sports a, Center specials on like I Melvin know. Ingram changed the fortunes of the Chiefs. And like, yeah. He got ratioed into oblivion, but it is going to be the second straight revenge game for Melvin Ingram. And you know what? If it comes down to a coin toss, get that guy out there. That's absolutely right. He was key in that Chargers game. I want to talk real quick about some previous games in the Chiefs Steelers rivalry. Sure. Uh, specifically, you want to recent- reignite the rivalry. I do want to reignite the rivalry, and I want to start with a really dark time in 2016. Mm. The Chiefs lost two games to Pittsburgh in 2016, and as everyone knows, you can't lose two games to the same conference opponent unless they're in your division, and that started with a 43-14 to loss in Week 5 that was the largest loss, still is, of Andy Reid's time at Coach of the Chiefs and his third largest of his career. That 29-point loss was ridiculous and really it ended with a late Tyreek Hill score with like a minute left and it was 43-7 at the time that was Sunday night football it was embarrassing that was definitely the low point in the competitiveness of the Chiefs under Andy Reid I mean they they were not in that game from the jump and then there was a the awful divisional round 18-16 loss when the Chiefs had two touchdowns Pittsburgh did not score a touchdown but they kicked six field goals there was the to game time two point conversion with 243 to go where Eric Fisher got a phantom hold call. I'll say it. I did not see the hold at the time. I was pissed off about it. Sure. Um, Chiefs lost that game. And really, that was kind of, you know, even though 2016 was three years into the Alex Smith era, I did feel like that was when a lot of Chiefs fans decided that he wasn't going to get the job done, that it was yeah. just too, um, too many losses like that, obviously, combined with the Colts wildcard loss and all that stuff. So, That was the two Pittsburgh losses in 2016. And then in Mahomes' only career game against Pittsburgh, it was in his third start ever. And he went 23 of 28 in Pittsburgh for 326 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, a 154.8 passer rating, which, by the way, that's all the proof you need. The passer rating is imperfect because he did not have a perfect passer rating despite having more touchdown passes than incompletions. Mm -hmm. And that was – yeah. Box score wise, that's probably the most dominant, complete performance from start to finish that Mahomes has ever had. He's clearly had some phenomenal games and absolutely, you know, but that was just, he was dealing, he was dropping them in buckets, he was throwing lasers, he was doing, he was running around, he was doing all the stuff that makes Mahomes Mahomes and you know, Pittsburgh winning in Pittsburgh was kind of a, a bugaboo for the Chiefs. That was kind of something. That, yeah, that was the first time they had won in Pittsburgh since the 80s. Yes, that's right. So they had always lost there. They had always that's always been Pittsburgh's always kind of been the Chiefs daddy up until Mahomes got here. And then the one time that he played them. So that's going to be really interesting to kind of see, you know, obviously it's four years later and you can't really take a ton from that. Um, but it's it's definitely Mahomes had a lot of fortune you know, the last time he played him and I'm hoping that the same thing happens again this time. It's kind of crazy that he's only played the Steelers once because, you know, obviously with the way the schedule works, you play each division once every four years, but you're three. playing the oh, first yeah, three place. years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're playing the first place team in that division. You're playing the team in that division that finished with the same record as you. And the chiefs obviously finished first every year. And it's a little bit surprising you know, a, a team like the Steelers that has uh, that mm-hmm. has historically been pretty dominant and had a lot of first place finishes. Really, behind the Patriots is really like probably the most consistently dominant AFC team in the 2000s and the 2010s. Yeah, and until you know, Lamar yeah. Jackson. 
And then, sure. you right. know, I mean, because the Ravens have won the AFC North the last couple of years, and that's why the Chiefs have their four matchups against the Ravens so far in the last three years. And um, right. And the Steelers have only had the one when the when the schedule rotates around and the West plays the North. So, yeah, it, it is a little surprising. And obviously, Cleveland, the only reason that those games that they have one more against Cleveland is because they matched up in the playoffs. So it's a combination of the schedules not pitting you against them and then not ever facing them in the playoffs. Um, I also want to give a shout out real quick to something cool that I found. And just because the Chiefs have a home game coming up um, this week, and if anyone is going to the game, there's this ridiculous app that I found called 15 Seconds of Fame that you take a picture of yourself and you upload it to the app. It's free app, free service, all that stuff. And it uses facial recognition and scans the game broadcast and the Jumbotron, the internal you know, camera in Arrowhead. Uh-huh. And if you get on there, if they recognize your face on the facial recognition, they send you a clip of it. They save it. They oh, send it cool. to your email. They, they get you your 15 seconds of fame. And I just thought that was a really neat idea. And so if anyone's going out, they have, they're just, I looked up, they're just partners with the chiefs this year. So you can look backwards to, I think three or four home games ago. And so you can, once you upload yourself and you check into those old games and you say, yeah, I was there at the, you know, the Raiders game or whatever. And then it just runs your face through all of the video that it saved. And if you're on there, it's going to clip it and send it to you. So I wish I had been out to Arrowhead when I found this out because I would love to uh, have done that. But the next time I go out there, I'm for sure going to do it. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever been on the Jumbotron at Arrowhead? I don't Boy, think I if ever. I have, I didn't see it. I mean, well, that's right. the other thing is How a lot of know? times, you know, you're, you're paying attention to so much more stuff other than the Jumbotron. Yeah. And, and the TV broadcast is the same way where, you know, yeah. if you're How on you know TV, you're how could right. you know? Right. And Unless somebody sees you, somebody would have to text you and we saw you yeah. on the game or whatever. But even then, all you have is someone saying we saw you on the game. So right. I really like that. It clips you don't know it when you don't know where you exactly share it on social media. So I'm going to tweet out um, if anyone's listening to this and wants more information for that. I'm going to tweet out a link to the app and all that stuff. And uh, I just think it's a really great way to it's a, it's such a good idea because people love their social media fame, their their 15 seconds of fame and all that stuff. And people love going to sports events. I like the the marriage there. I mean, I I would out. love to get like myself, like I, I'd love to meme myself, like my reaction yes. at the game to doing something cool. Like yes. I've had some sweet reactions to stuff that Patrick <laughs> Mahomes has done at Arrowhead. There's uh-huh. a lot of times that we could have been on the Jumbotron. His first career start, the game right after that Pittsburgh game, we're going nuts out there. If you check in on the app and you browse through all the games and stuff and they post like the most downloaded clips fans and stuff like that. And it's all, you know, ballpark stuff with, I mean, they do colleges and baseball and all that stuff. So they have proposals and they have people falling down the stairs and they have like just, you know, all the ridiculous stuff that you've seen fans at games. But the only difference is those fans got tagged in those videos. It's just such a smart. I love the 21st century, man. It's so smart. Let's get into the mailbag. We got a question here from our guy, the artist chief at Corio Four. <laughs> question for the podcast: If the season ended today, who is on the cover of Madden Twenty Three? Now, today is December twenty second, twenty twenty one. I will say Corey sent us this question last week, and I think yeah. my answer would have changed. But who's your guy for the well, cover of Madden Twenty Twenty Three? So my gut answer was Jonathan Taylor, but I think I'm changing it to Cooper Cup. Oh yeah, oh totally. I think that's a great pick and we don't get i mean like it's become just like the mvp so quarterback centric and occasionally you get running backs i couldn't even tell you who the last wide receiver on the cover of madden was was antonio uh, brown on the cover of madden 
Uh, oh, Megatron Megatron. was, and I do believe AB might have been. I definitely remember. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's one of those two. It's Megatron or AB, but it's been a while. I mean, that was AB when like he was, you know, that was many many Antonio Brown things ago. Um, Cooper Cup has 370 PPR fantasy points through 14 weeks. That is ninth all time among all players, and he is the number one running or wide receiver. Uh, through 14 weeks ever number two had 346 points and he's at 370 so it's crazy he's he's on pace to destroy as far as production goes at the wide receiver position i can't believe 122 catches 1625 yards 14 touchdowns dude is in incredible he's yeah he he has 20 more receptions than the next place guy on yeah. in the reception list this is this is among all wide receivers this year or all receivers period yeah this year. he has 20 more receptions he has over 300 more receiving yards and he has three more touchdowns <laughs> so he's first in all three of those categories by like a mile he's having a crazy year i think cooper cup is a great one obviously jonathan taylor would be a good one it would almost be like if they're into doing now the you know the like the dual covers i, I mean i could dig a cooper cup jonathan cooper or Jonathan Taylor dual cover, right? Like sure. them together. You got Jonathan Taylor has 1,500 rushing yards, and number two is 1094. Yeah. Which so he has 500 what, yards Henry? more is rushing. That That's Derek actually Henry? Joe Mixon. Okay. Uh, Derrick Henry's slipped a little bit to sixth. But um, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you know, he has 17 rushing touchdowns. The next highest is 14. Um, he's been not as above the pack as Cooper Cup, but certainly close. We've got one from Discord from our guy, It's Rock Robster. Frank Clark has been phenomenal during this win streak. Do you think this has to do with him finally being healthy or because the contract year is undefeated? Shout out to Rez Paler. Um, definitely both. I mean, that that's something that I don't think many players are not motivated by being on a contract year. That's why the saying is the contract year is undefeated. But at the same time, Frank Clark turned another gear. And if he was, if this was purely contract year, he would have been doing this since week one. Clearly he came out in the beginning of the year right. and was not fully healthy. And then once he kind of got his legs back under him, I mean, the dude's been on as good of a tear, better tear than he was when he was going through the playoffs in 2019. I mean, he has been a, a big contributor on the defensive line, which is not something that we've been able to say throughout most of his time in Kansas city. So definitely a little bit of both. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a good observation that he obviously he's been effectively on a contract year the entire year. And that's not because he's not under contract next year. It's because right. the Chiefs are very likely to get out of this deal because his play has not matched his pay. Uh, but now he's turning it on. We've got one here from Cameron Stout at Cam B. Stout says, really enjoying the podcast. Thank you. Have a potential question for the IASIC mailbox. How has the timing of their success impacted the different media narratives of Mahomes and Josh Allen? Mahomes lit the league on fire with an MVP season and then Super Bowl season right out of the gate. Allen struggled in his first couple years and then worked his way into the MVP conversation last year. This season, they're both having slightly down years, but Mahomes has been called broken, and I haven't seen much criticism of Allen at all. How much of that is due to Mahomes starting at the peak and Allen gradually rising there? I think it is... I, I don't think it's even just limited to Josh Allen. I think you could also make this case for Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think you could, to some extent, make this case with Herbert, although he's playing better this year. But, you know, occasionally, you know, Herbert's numbers have not always matched his 
highlight reel, right. right? Yeah. And I think you really can definitely make this comparison with Lamar and with Josh Allen. And, you know, not probably not Baker Mayfield because he's never been good. But those two guys for sure. I mean, they definitely did not start off at the heights that Patrick started out at. And they just, I don't know. I mean, both of those guys are, you know, they came out in the class right after Patrick Holmes. They're the two best quarterbacks from that next draft class after Patrick. And they haven't hit the same highs. They have hit lower lows. But because their path to improvement has been almost linear, you know, we're talking about at least from year one to year three for both of those guys, pretty much a consistent linear improvement. Lamar obviously won his MVP in his second season, which technically Mahomes did as well, although he didn't start in the first season. Josh Allen, it's been a very straight line until this year from year one to year two to year three. He got better each year. I do think, you know, part of that, it it just, it comes down to sort of what your priors are and what your preseason narratives are. And for, you know, the bills, I, I think lately they've been getting some more criticism because I mean, you know, you lose to the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, That's going to invite some closer scrutiny as to like what you've got going on in your facility. Like what, what your business is up to <laughs> you lose to, to the Jags and you don't score a touchdown. You score six points against the Jags. Like people start to take notice of that. They start to observe a little bit closer, but I do think that, you know, because of where Mahomes set the standard in his first year, throwing 50 touchdowns, winning the MVP and in his second year, winning the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl MVP, you know, at age 25, he's really being compared against himself. And when he goes out and has a year that by his own standards is subpar, and we're talking about the standards that he's put up in his first three seasons where he won an MVP and made two Super Bowls and won one, you know, the only person he can be compared against is himself. And with Josh Allen, it's less about comparing him to himself because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't set the ball. He's not the bar right? The bar is Patrick Mahomes. And so Patrick Mahomes is going to get compared to previous Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen is going to get compared to, I don't know. He doesn't really get compared to Patrick Mahomes because he's not really in that conversation. So So Josh Allen, Josh Allen benefits to me because he's compared to Josh Allen, to previous Josh Allen. And so when people talk about Josh Allen, they say, oh my God, this kid is really figuring it out. He's really turning a corner. And remember all those shitty throws he had when his rookie year, when he didn't know what he was doing and he had a 50% completion percentage and blah, blah, blah. Now look at, you know, like where Mahomes has never set the bar that low. So when you compare Mahomes, there's really no idea as far as like, well, what does this look like compared to when he's bad or whatever? So to me, all quarterbacks that have achieved elite status, which is, you know, consideration for MVP and Pro Bowl and All Pro and all that stuff. Every quarterback in NFL history is basically in the Josh Allen bucket, except for two guys. And that's Mahomes and that's Dan Marino. And Mahomes and Marino started off at the top of the game and they started their careers off so much better than everyone else that from that point on, you could only compare them to previous versions of themselves and they never quite got that like aha look at how much this guy has improved and everyone else is a gradual process ben roethlisberger tom brady whoever you want to name whoever is 
Peyton Manning, sure, absolutely. Everybody led the league in interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, you you name the guy. He starts off shitty, and then as he develops and gets better and gets older and gets wiser, then people start to say, this guy's arrived. This guy made it. This guy finally figured out what he's doing. Everyone talk about how cool that is. Whereas if you start the year or you start your career lighting the league on fire, then you have to do that every year out or else you're just kind of talked about. It's like, what's wrong with him? He's broken. I agree with that. We've got one here finally to close it out from PKS, our guy Polish Chiefs fan. What guys on the current roster will be Chiefs for their entire careers? I love this question because it's it's funny because you don't have to be extremely good to be on the Chiefs for your entire career. So Correct. Like, you don't. I do think that the lifetime contract with Mahomes and all that stuff, I don't know what's going to happen in 15 years or whatever, but I would be saddened and shocked if Mahomes, if the I'd relationship with I'd Kansas be. City ever de- deteriorates at all. It, I don't think it will, and it doesn't. So Mahomes, number one. Kelsey's old enough and been with the Chiefs the whole time that I don't see him changing teams. I see him retiring a Chief for sure. And he's under contract through like age 35. He is under contract for a really long time. And if he decides to be able to play again, there's just no way. He and Mahomes have too tight of a bond. He, Everyone in Kansas City, I mean, he's he's a Chief for life too. I considered Tyreek Hill, but I don't think that that's as safe of a bet as the other guys. I think that... Wide receivers are in high demand, and if somebody offers him a boatload of money in free agency, I'm not going to fault the guy for for going and getting his bag. That's fine. Uh, the only other guys that I really thought about were some linemen. I do think Creed Humphrey has a really good chance to be a solid, to be Mahomes' center for the next, kind of like how Marquise Pouncey and Ben Roethlisberger were center and quarterback for their entire careers together. I do think that Creed is probably going to stick around. James Winchester is pretty old. and Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and he, um, you know, long snappers don't really feel like, you know, you don't really go out and sign a long snapper in free agency and all that stuff. I just feel like he's probably going to play until with the Chiefs until he's done. And finally, in a in a mold that like he's not good enough to get another job somewhere. So when he gets done with the Chiefs, he's probably done. I thought Demarcus Robinson seems like the guy that if the Chiefs ever get done with him, I just don't see another team being like, yeah, 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 come on over here. I feel like they're going to be they're going to be passing on it. That is a great list, but you missed one obvious one in the mold of a Demarcus Robinson in that he is not good enough to get a job with any other team in the NFL. And so actually I have two. Uh, It is, of course, Ben Neiman and Dirty Dan Sorensen, who definitely is never getting a job after he leaves the Chiefs. 